<laughs> I was thinking, uh, should I, should we recite the intro? It's been a while. I'm still, I'm still working on the intro music for this, for this show. I haven't been playing the intro music because, well, honestly, with the levels and everything of the guitar and the singing and then transitioning to speaking, it just makes uh, editing the audio a little more challenging and adds like an extra hour or two. So I haven't been doing the intro song, but I've been doing using my time to try to come up with a new intro song. I'm still going to use the same lyrics. I just want a different guitar part. Yeah. And then I'll record that separately some other time. And then I can put it in and I don't have to worry about it. But I was just thinking, let's recite the intro. And I know you probably don't remember it, do you? So let's do it. One, two, three. Can you hear it with your ears? <laughs> can you see it with, with your, your eyes? eyes? Can you feel it wiggling between your quivering your thighs? thighs? That, that thing, thing. That, that thing. thing. That thing with James. Once every millennium, something will come along. When you feel it, you will know it because it's coming on strong. That thing, that thing, that thing with James. So sit back, relax, deep breaths, no stress. Let me come inside your mind. I promise you it won't take long. The change will happen soon. You will feel something so special growing deep within you. That thing. That thing. That thing with James. That thing. That thing. That thing with James. That's me. The host of this. This thing. That, <laughs> that, that thing with me, James. Welcome to the show. This is a podcast about nothing. Kind of, uh, it's a podcast about whatever the hell I feel like it should be about. And this week, uh, returning to the show is Emily, of course. Hello. Hello. And we are talking Space Jam, Space Jams, one and two. Um, now, I didn't even realize the sequel to Space Jam was coming out last weekend. Oh, I thought you did. I didn't know until after I'd already booked Brian. Okay. And I was, I mean, Brian takes priority over any fucking movie. Yeah. For sure. But uh, I had intended to do a sort of review of the new Space Jam. Um, and then it came out sooner than I thought. So it came out last week. This this episode is going to come out two weeks after the Space Jam 2's release. Okay. Because right now it's been one week. Mm -hmm. And we record, and then a week later I put it out, right? I put out after a week. And so we're doing that. We're, we're covering Space Jam 2 and Space Jam 1. And I thought we were just going to be reviewing uh, Space Jam 2. My original intent was just to, you know, take the piss out of the sequel. Yeah. Because I don't know that anyone expected it to be good. I'm sure that they did. I'm withholding judgment. I'm withholding my judgment because what I thought was a simple thing has turned into a bit of a rabbit hole. So we kind of 
stumbled into a critical analysis of the Space Jam series. Bum, bum, bum. We watched number two yesterday or the night we started. We started watching the night before Mm -hmm. and then we had to stop at a point. Yeah, we finished it yesterday though. And we finished it yesterday and then started watching the first one and then finished that this morning. Yep. I didn't, uh, I, I kind of wanted to watch the first one first, but then I, I I don't know. I didn't go searching for it or something, so I didn't watch it. We watched the sequel first, and then simply out of curiosity, I was like, I wonder if HBO Max has the first one. And of course it did. Why, yeah. w- why wouldn't it? And so it was there. And upon maybe like 10 minutes or so into the first one, is when I stumbled into the this thread that sort of unraveled this whole hidden meaning in the series, in the progression between the two movies of how things have changed, what led from point A to point B. Um, and that's what we're going to attempt to explore in this episode. Now, if you're new to the show... This is a sort of uh, stream of conscious. It's it's initially a hangout. That that was my uh, the original germ of this show was just to have a hangout time with me, the guest or co-host, and you, the audience. So hey, what's up? How you doing? I hope things are going pretty well. I've been having a bit of a rough time. I'm still adjusting to new life in Tulsa. And I was telling Emily recently, I I think I'm still dealing with some fucking trauma of, uh, you know, a a pandemic, everything getting shut down and then us losing our home to a storm and then uh, being homeless for months and then uh, adjusting to a new city and a new life. It's, if I've seemed a little off, it's because I've been off. (laughs) So... Um, but we're trying. And, uh, so we are doing an essay here because essay is friend in Spanish (laughs) And, and, and essay also means to try in French. So we're doing a sort of essay. This is not a in-depth essay podcast, all right? This is just sort of like a free-form, stream-of-consciousness, mostly unplanned comedy sort of thing. Um, So we may go off on branches, but we're going to try to stick to this critical analysis I found of Space Jam. I forgot to set the timer it's okay. Hold on real quick. I gotta set the timer. Okay, so we watched Space Jam 2 and then Space Jam 1, and I was glad that I watched Space Jam 1 afterwards because I hadn't seen it like since I was a kid. Yeah. Tell me your history, or tell the, the audience about your history with Space Jam. I loved the first Space Jam movie. It was during a time where, like, you know, Chicago Bulls were everywhere. Everybody knew who Scottie Pippen was and Michael Jordan and Dennis Rodman. You know, everybody knew. It was like the biggest thing when it came out in 1996. 
Where were you that year? I had to think about, let's say, I was eight. She was eight. I mean, where? Physically? Oh, I was tell, in the Ohio. Audience, tell the audience where we were. I was in Ohio. Uh, I probably already started playing basketball because we had a basketball hoop in the back patio, and my brothers would always be playing out there with mm. their friends. And I remember, like, you know, I did whatever they did, essentially. Uh, were they fans of, like, Looney Tunes and um, Space Jam? Yes. I mean, Looney Tunes for sure. I don't know so much about Space Jam because they, they were much older. How, like, uh, how old were they in 96? In 96? You know, like in their 20s? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Uh, One was, like, 17, though. So he probably would have been into it. I was living in New Jersey when Space Jam came out, and I had Space Jam stuff. I had like a backpack with yep. the with like Taz on it, dude. I loved Taz. I had the Taz video game on my Game Boy. My brother has a Taz tattoo. Your brother has a Taz tattoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was sort of everywhere. See, at the time. WB, this is this is the mid-90s, mid to late 90s. WB was huge. Yeah. They had uh, the Batman movies. Uh, they had... Didn't they have Sabrina the Teenage Witch? They had Sabrina. They had uh, the WB channel. WB was a big fucking thing in the yeah. 90s. Um, and so was Looney Tunes. Like, that's... When I started watching Looney Tunes, they would play some of the older ones, too. But then there was also, like, a 90s Looney Tunes as well. And Looney Tune Babies. Looney Tune Babies. I wasn't the biggest fan of that. Probably loved that. Um, But I watched a lot of Looney Tunes, and I was a huge fan of Michael Jordan. Yeah. Michael Jordan was, like, a god at this time. And I was also a fan of the Bulls. But the thing is, I never really watched sports. And I still don't. So why was I so on their team? Why was I so on Michael Jordan's team? Because I never really... The only exposure I really had to the Bulls and to Michael Jordan were clips that I would see on TV, but more so advertisements yeah he was in a ton of ads michael jordan was in a ton of ads wasn't he in haynes too he was like a haynes model for a minute he was a haynes guy yeah Yeah. i remember that and i remember the store at the mall oh yeah there was a wb store at the mall it they sold like just wb shit yeah i don't know kids today don't have the mall because the mall sort of died yeah the mall's dead as an old thing but Back in back in my day, uh, young young viewers and or listeners, back in my day, people would go to the mall. Like that was a central cultural hub, going to the mall. Mm-hmm. I was uh, like in high school. I would come here to Tulsa. I would drive an hour and a half from my dinky little country hometown and come to Tulsa and hang out at the mall just to get away from being out in the country because I yeah. wanted to live in some sort of urban setting. Yeah. Um, and I would see goths at the mall. Mall goth 
is a real thing. That's a breed. That was dear, when Hot Topic was cool too. Hot Topic was cool. And mall goths were a breed that I don't believe, I'm sure it exists, but it's not as big as it used to be. There were mall goths. There were um, underpass or overpass. Is it an underpass, the part that goes under the overpass? I think so. Underpass goths. Remember that video of like uh, the cyber goths all dancing in that yes. underpass? Yeah, that's a fucking video. If you haven't seen it, you got to go to YouTube and type in cyber goths overpass or something or underpass. It's fucking great. <laughs> um, well, anyway, the mall was a big thing. A huge cultural hub for all of America. It was at that stage in capitalism. Um, and one of the places to go to in the mall, if you were a kid, was the WB store. And it was the coolest fucking thing. And every one of them at the back of the store had this UFO thing. A Marvin Martian UFO. Mm-hmm. Is it Marvin Martian or Marvin, Marvin the? the Martian. Marvin the Martian UFO that you could crawl into. And there were little screens and, and levers buttons. and buttons all flashing. And you could, you know, pretend you're flying Marvin the Martian's UFO. Yeah. Uh, and, and one of the things I always wanted, but I never got because they were really expensive, were the uh, cartoon cells that they would sell yeah. of, uh, from, from Looney Tunes. That's how I learned how they did hand-drawn stuff to get uh, clear, uh, clear, I don't know, paper of some type, probably some, like vinyl or something. Yeah. And draw the characters over that, over a, a still-painted background. I always wanted one of those things. I loved, loved, loved Looney Tunes. While I was doing some research, I did find a Marvin the Martian coin from the WB store being sold on eBay. No shit. Yeah. No shit. Well, this is all to say that, uh, let me just get to it. We were being advertised to, and advertising really shaped our childhoods. Yeah. Not just us, but sort of our generation. Old millennials. I've seen some video essays about how, like, millennials were, like, the most advertised or the or the first hyper-advertised to generation. It does not surprise me. That um, uh, Capital had been working on ways trying to perfect how to advertise to babies, you know? And then we were the first one where it was like, we hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Where so much of uh, the, the, the world of commodity was pandering to or, or manipulating youth, yeah. young kids, millennials, when they were kids. And that's why I feel... I was so on board with Michael Jordan and the Bulls because that's what I was being advertised. Yep. I had never been to Chicago. I never grew up anywhere near Chicago. I grew up in Denver. Yeah. Like the Nuggets, the Denver Nuggets. I grew up in Ohio, so Illinois wasn't far for me. It wasn't far, but you're not in Chicago. No. You're in Ohio. Yeah. So what influence does that city's team have on me or you as kids if we're not even from there necessarily yeah not much 
Is were you like particularly into basketball or anything? I did like basketball. I don't know if I loved basketball. Like, did you sit and watch the NBA and go? My yeah. brothers would watch it, and I'd watch it because they were watching. Yeah. Do you feel like you were so uh, a lot of your investment was because you were because of advertisement? Yeah. You you think advertisement was the influence behind that? Yeah. I think so too. Um, let me let me check my notes here. I'm trying to figure out where we're supposed to go next. Okay. Okay, we had to take a quick break to regroup because we were getting kind of lost in the weeds. Uh, kind of stuck on, we were being advertised to, we were being advertised to. Okay, but what's the meaning behind that? Is Advertisement is nothing new. No. But advertising to younger people, also nothing new. But it was kind of being perfected. In the 90s. Yes. Was it not? Yes, it was. Everything had like some product attached to it. Lion King. You had the Lion King game. Burger King was big. Yeah. I remember going to like Burger King many times to get Men in Black stuff. Yeah. For a uh, Men in Black dance talent show that me and my friends did. That's the cutest thing I've ever heard. In New Jersey. We did break dance and everything. Yeah. I wish there was video. (laughs) Me too. Um... But Space Jam was sort of like the perfect ad for kids because it married these two big things, Michael Jordan and Looney Tunes. Michael Jordan is – and the director of the first Space Jam I was just reading kind of thinks this too. There's there's no other Michael Jordan. No. The guy's sort of like – the old director, Joe whatever, like Pitka, Joe Pitka or something. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. He was like, Michael Jordan was like Muhammad Ali yeah. in that he like transcended the sport. Like he was a super icon. He was good at every sport that he played. In a way that LeBron James, who is an amazing athlete, yeah, he's not Michael Jordan. No. And there's no other Michael Jordan, just as there's no other Muhammad Ali, right? There's a Michael B. Jordan. There's a Michael B. Jordan, and we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that in a bit. But the first Looney Tunes was the perfect ad scheme, and it paid off as it came in like the tenth highest-grossing film of its release year, 1996. Uh, I was nine. I must have been nine if it was 96, because I was born 87. So you would have been eight. Yeah. I was born in 88. 88. And this came out in 96. So anyway. Oh, okay, math. Any, anyway, anyway. Um, to give another example of how advertising was seamlessly integrating, not just integrating, but becoming full movies. It wasn't like movies would necessarily have product placements or anything, but another new thing, this part of perfecting advertisements, was that advertisements went out of just being a product being placed in a movie, but being the seed of a movie itself. Yeah. Coca-Cola makes a movie. Yep. You know? So no matter what, you cannot escape the foundation of this thing you're consuming being an advertisement. Yeah. 
one of the one good way to illustrate it, and it's not necessarily an advertisement movie, but it actually kind of is, was one of my favorite movies, Wayne's World. Yeah. The first Wayne's World. There's that scene where after they sell out, um, they're like, I, I wouldn't do a product placement. I'm not a fucking sellout. He says as he's like wearing all Nike gear, hat, mm-hmm. tracksuit, shoes, eating a Pizza Hut pizza, drinking Pepsi. Yeah. Pepsi, WB, Looney Tunes, Burger King, all very big things in the 90s, bigger than they are now. Yeah. Um, so they were mocking in that scene in Wayne's World. They were mocking advertisements being, well, the core purpose of any sort of uh, entertainment, any sort of art. Um, and it, But it just kept going that way. Like it was criticizing it. But it was also it. It was criticizing advertisements while itself still being an advertisement. Yeah. And that is one of the trickiest piece of shit um, aspects or attributes of capitalism that it is so plastic, it will consume and create a sort of a... Uh, uh, what am I trying to say? It will consume any sort of criticism and repackage it as a product. It will consume anti-consumerist, like uh, um, counterculture artifacts. It will consume those things, package it, and sell it back to you. Here's a hippie costume for yeah. Halloween. You know? Yeah. Um. And it's it's a fucking weird phenomena, and it's one of the reasons it's really hard to beat is because it is, uh, it's a shapeshifter. Um, where am I trying to go here? Where am I trying to go? Nineties advertisements becoming video games as well. Did you see? Was there a video game for the original Space Jam? I did not see it. You didn't see one. No, I saw one for the new one. There's a video game for the new one. Yeah. Oh wow. I thought there was a video game for the original, I but maybe like not. I felt like there was an original one too, but... But a- another thing we figured out was um, video games becoming part of mainstream. How the fuck does this fit in? We had a hard time, but it felt integral to this thread that we found. Video games are nothing new. Uh, and they weren't anything new in the mid to late 90s, certainly. No, I had a Super Nintendo. She had a Super Nintendo. I had a Sega Dreamcast. I wouldn't get an N6. I, I never had any. My brother had the original Nintendo. I played Duck Hunt. Yeah, Duck I, Hunt was awesome. I'd been playing video games literally since I was in diapers. Yeah. Like there's stories of me being, I don't know, still in fucking diapers and just murking ducks Eight on Duck Hunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, baby. I'm going to change my diaper. Oh, gross. Baby went boom, boom. Gross. Um, video games in the 90s were becoming more accepted in the mainstream. Yeah. Right? Uh, and again, they're nothing new, but just how normalized they were were huge in the 90s. And they certainly became a big focus after um, Columbine. Because yeah. Hillary Clinton said, oh, video games like Doom make killers. Uh, no. Very wrong. Yeah. But 
this episode's not about that. So I know I will not elaborate, but she was fucking wrong. Um, video games were becoming an integral part. And in the 90s, uh, there was a lot of expectation. And again, this certainly wasn't anything new either uh, for kids to just go outside and play. Yeah. Which we did. Uh, play in sports and stuff like that. But Emily found um, an article. Like, we were thinking... Well, you asked... What did you ask? Like, are video games more popular than sports for kids now? Yeah. I did ask that question at first. And I was like, well, what's going on? <coughs> like, why is it that it felt so different then as opposed to now? How it felt different in the 90s, you mean? Yeah. Than it does now? And w- w- what does that have to do with video games and sports? What's different? What's changed? Well, I think when you look at the two movies, they go from like playing in space, essentially, to mm-hmm. playing in cyberspace. Oh. There's that connection. The The first movie was kind of split between Earth, space, and Toon Land, or yeah. whatever it is. And then the second movie goes into cyberspace. Yeah. I But what I was trying to point you toward was that article you found with that guy saying what was it like 70 percent of kids drop out of organized sports before they get to high school Mm -hmm. something like that um and there's also just a bunch of different reasons maybe kids would prefer to play video games uh over necessarily um playing sports irl yeah and what's that difference? Like, parents are a big thing because parents ruin all fucking kids' sports. That is true. Um, it had to do with, like, adults trying to criticize them too much in that in video games they're given the ability to, like, you know, mess up and try on their own without a parent. Mm-hmm. So you don't have that drunk uh, Chad and Karen off to the side screaming, Foul! That's a foul! Yeah. Bobby! And then putting so much pressure. There's so many different movies and like TV shows where a dad who uh, his his highlight was playing as the fucking quarterback in high school. That was his high point in life. And now he's a busted middle-aged man living in the suburbs, raising a kid, and he wants his kid to become fucking great at the sport that he didn't make a career out of. Yeah. He, the father. Yeah, it's all about making sure that they fulfill a parent's legacy, essentially. And also, video games, you can play mobily in different areas. You don't necessarily need to organize other people. Yeah, you don't have to get private training. You don't have to get private training. Um, No costumes. Right. And also, it's like, it's harder for um, communities to be together in a physical space, certainly because of the pandemic. But even before that, everyone is so atomized because of work, um, the way cities are planned, you know, laid out Mm -hmm. like none of, none of the U S really, unless you live in a select few cities or some certain small towns, for the most part, there's a lot of like not community, in fact, the United States, for being such a God and country and family sort of place, it fucking hates communities. Yeah, that it does. I was thinking about it, too. Like, 
now we have the oversaturation of news as well. So mm-hmm. people are like hyper vigilant and think that people are kidnapping children every second of every day. So you're uh, much less want to have let your kids go out and play on their own and shit like yeah. that. And so video games is a huge part. And the reason we bring it up, it may seem like a tangent, but it's got something to do here. Because video games kind of played a integral part in the new Space Jam. Uh, And I don't think we can really get our analysis any further without just diving into it. Yeah. So should we get to it? Let's go for it. Okay. Let me check our time here. Let's see. We're like 24 minutes in. Okay. Should I pause real quick? Or just jump into it? Just jump into it. Okay. All right. So. Space Jam. I've got some notes. I took these notes before I uh, started any sort of critical analysis, really. I just wanted to troll and mine for content to fill uh, two hours because we're continuing this in the bonus episode. Yes, I know. I know. I know. Man's got to make a living, though. <laughs> sure. Um, Space Jam 2. A New Legacy. I found something interesting before we get into that about the director. It turns out, let me pull up this article here. Um, The second Space Jam movie was directed by not Joe Pitka, although um, he was one of the considerations originally for there to be a second Space Jam. But Pitka himself, Joe, let's just call him Joe, he said... I don't want to do another Space Jam because there's no reason for another Space Jam. Yeah. It's unnecessary. There's no need for it. And if you try to recreate it, one, it just doesn't make sense. And two, you're going to make some something ugly. Yeah. You're going to make a Frankenstein's monster. Although Frankenstein's monster in the actual story is a very sympathetic character. Oh, that poor monster. Well... The new Space Jam was directed by, let's see, where the fuck was he? It was originally slated to be directed by this dude, Terrence Nance, who did, what is it, The the Flyness? He does that show, Random Acts of Flyness, on HBO. Um, He was the original person signed on to make this Space Jam sequel. I almost called it A New Hope. I forget. I, I just keep forgetting what the rest of the title is. It's that nothing. Um, this was back in like 2014. Contracts were signed. They were like, okay, we're going to make Space Jam 2, a new legacy, a movie. And then it wouldn't be until, what was it, like 2019? Uh, summer into fall of 2019 was when this one was filmed. Um they had already started filming and supposedly to quote creative differences, Mr. Terrence Nance, um, I'm hope I'm pronouncing that last name correctly. Split. He said it was an amicable split, but that there were creative differences. And I suspected before I even read that in the article on, uh, I forget where I read it. I suspected it would be creative differences because I suspect maybe Mr. Terrence 
did not want to take this movie in the direction that the suits wanted to take this movie. Yeah. You found an article on what was it, Polygon, that said, uh, you said basically, oh, this guy's got the same take you have, which was the new Space Jam movie is an advertisement. What was it? An advertisement fucking portfolio. Uh, oh, a marketing brochure masquerading as a movie. Yeah. And that's what it was. So talk about like movies, uh, advertisements as movies. This movie was like the most grotesque, penultimate, perfect example of that, of an advertisement as a movie. Yeah. In this, they packed in WB. This is a WBIP, meaning intellectual property. This is WBIP, and they packed every single WB intellectual property, characters, yep. movies, ideas, concepts. They packed literally fucking everything into this one two-hour movie. Yeah, that was my big beef with it, too. Two hours too long. It was two hours too long. The first Space Jam was only like one hour and 27 minutes. Not even a full 90. Yeah. They went so tight with that 90, they didn't even make it to 90. I mean, I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with it, too. Stuff actually happened in the original one. Yeah. This second one, way too long, nothing happens. And there's no attachment. I felt no attachment to the story or anything. Yeah, I didn't care. I liked Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle's great. But I, I mean, Don that's Cheadle. just because it's Don Cheadle. But with the original movie, there was a sort of personal element, too, because it was attached to the real world. It was dealing with, like, Michael Jordan's real-world events. Like, he had retired to play baseball. So on and so forth. I also feel like that one was a lot more star-studded. Like... He was definitely more star-studded. The original? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how much more money they had as a budget or if it was, like, even about... I imagine that. it was a lower budget. It's just... Um, I don't know how they would have gotten that many people otherwise if it was a low budget. Well, I'm you not saying got, it, I'm not saying it was low budget. Yeah, I'm like saying Bill they Murray probably had and less everything money. else in that. Yes, oh, yeah, Bill Murray was in the original. Yeah. There was just a uh, you could get invested in the original somehow. It's entertaining. It's not I mean, it's an advertisement, yeah, cuz it's WB and so WB is going to advertise itself. Any well, most and especially most top um, movie production companies advertise themselves through their movies. WB is one beast of a thing. Not quite a big as be as a not quite as big of a beast as Disney is, but a beast nonetheless. It was a heavy hitter back in the day. Back in the 90s, big heavy hitter. And then it sort of left a vacuum after, like, the Warner Brothers or the WB channel stopped. and I used to love the WB channel. Disney, Disney really filled in that vacuum. Because, again, WB was doing, like, a lot of superhero shit. The 90s Batman animated series. Yeah. The best Batman, period. Yeah. Um, Mask of the Phantasm. Love that movie. Well, here, let me, let me uh, look at my notes here. Here's what I've got. Okay. This is a two-hour movie, was yeah. my first note. Um, 
one of the first things I noticed was it just kind of personal note. It felt a little weird not seeing it in theaters because just we watched it at, here in our home uh, on HBO Max, and it felt like a movie that I should have been seeing in the theaters. I'm so grateful I didn't. I'm grateful I didn't either. And it's not a movie I feel like yeah, had there even been no virus out there yeah. right now. I don't think it's something I would have gone to the theaters to see. I but it paid. felt like it belonged there. Um, you said, uh, and then I said, it feels weird without Michael Jordan. And you said, oh, did you know Michael Jordan owns private prisons? He doesn't. No. We found this out. We had to. No, no, no. It's worse <laughs> than that. Michael Jordan does not own private prisons. The rumor is that Michael Jordan uh, invested stocks into private prisons, which is true. Michael Jordan, the Oregon legislator, invested in private prisons. Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, the retired sports god, did not. <laughs> did not. Um, so... The power of marketing. We already talked about how I felt so aligned. Um, where should we even fucking start? I remember like hearing all sorts of shit about Lola Bunny getting de-sexed. Oh, yeah. There, there's a lot to go on about Lola. Um, I found a whole subreddit dedicated to Lola Bunny hentai. It's fabulous. Oh, jeez. Yeah, you would have. Um, I mean, in the original movie... She's wearing a crop top. She's got short shorts on. She's got like a pretty color to her fur. She's got the little. She had nice perky C cups. Well, I wasn't looking at that. Lola Bunny had C cups. And then they gave her a breast reduction for the new one and dressed her up in a burlap sack. They did so pretty much. No put her more in a midriff. Sack. So before the before the movie came out, the sequel, there was all sorts of hubbub about, you know, oh, they desexed Lola Bunny and they canceled <laughs> Pepe Le Pew for being French. Okay? Uh they he was canceled for a little they bit. They canceled like Pepe Le Pew for being French. That's all I'm gonna say. I mean he, he was a French uh, stinky French, and they did what the French do. Another thing, another weird change I noticed was um, Speedy Gonzalez. There was a lot of weird changes. Excuse me. There was a lot of uh, changes to the actual Looney Tunes characters in the sequel. One of them was Speedy Gonzalez, who they gave a cholo accent. Did they not give him a straight-up Cholo accent? He did have a weird accent. He, they made him talk like he was from L.A. Yeah, it was like before he was just like... He said Holmes. He said Holmes. Oh, yeah, he did say Holmes. I'm pretty sure. Well, they made him... They, they turned Speedy Gonzalez into a Cholo. Um, Foghorn Leghorn's voice is now inexplicably an alto instead of a baritone. And that fucked me up. Because I sound like Foghorn Leghorn. I'm a loud person. Well, not as loud as our downstairs neighbors because I'm aware of when to be loud and when not to be loud. But my voice carries like Foghorn Leghorn. And to have that representation stripped away from me is not nice. I don't like it. Just as many people did not like 
uh, Lola Bunny's breast reduction. Well, I hope that they never have to make a uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit remake because oh, Jessica Rabbit and that. They couldn't. They would not be able to make a new Who Framed Roger Rabbit mm-hmm. because it was sexual. There's a lot of sexy sex in it. Yeah. I don't know why it's more acceptable or like okay for them to show violence than it is any sort of sexuality. One thing I noticed with Lola Bunny was because they desexualized her figure. Mm-hmm. And, and, oh, and they also got rid of the sexual focus because in the original, when she first enters into the basketball court, oh, yeah. um, literally every character, every cartoon character was just gaga goo goo drooling over Lola Bunny, who was presented in a very sexy manner. Uh, they made her a sexy furry little hot bunny that furries that furries you know they wanted they wanted those perky sieves back but she was actually good at basketball she was great at basketball and she had a lot of character um now however she was she was a uh uh a lost, an object of lust, especially for Bugs Bunny. But she Bunny. stood up for herself. But she stood up for herself, and she was good at basketball. But she had a certain part to play. Yeah. She was a part of the life of the tune characters in the first one. Now, in the second one, there is no lust, no no uh, sex object there's to no focus romance. on. Well, there's no anything with the characters. They literally put her there. There was nothing outstanding about her as a basketball player. No. Nothing outstanding about her on a personality base. As a matter of fact, no one stood out as any sort of personality aside from Don Cheadle. uh, But including the people who didn't stand out personality-wise was LeBron James. Gotta say, um, Michael Jordan was a better actor. I also just think that it's like two completely different personalities. Like, yeah. Michael Jordan was good at everything that yes. he did, like every sport that he could possibly do, he was good at it. And, you know, like, yeah, he apparently was an asshole. I looked that up. He was me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Michael Jordan's a f- allegedly. <laughs> ego. But, you know, like, No, still, it's not allegedly. It's pretty well documented. He's still. a giant, giant fucking ego. Okay, well. LeBron James is not. He's a sweet no, boy and he donates to kids and yeah, all that shit. Yeah, he's like a really notable he, person. He's a good dude. Flat acting. Um, great at sports. Don't quit your day job. <laughs> he is very, very good at basketball. Um, now, back to the video game thing. Here, I'm trying to get, get us back okay. on track here. Back to the video game thing. Here's, here's where I was getting lost with this one. The new movie starts out with the boy LeBron in, what, like 96, I think? They probably started yeah. it on the year. I don't remember for sure. If I guess, if I were making it, I'd start at 96. I think he's like around our age, so yeah. Yeah, and that's when the original came out. It was 96. Yeah. Um, He's on a basketball team. He's young, probably eight or nine years old. I think he was nine. Um, And he's playing games on his Game Boy. And there's basketball going on. The coach comes up and makes him turn off the video game. And I was a little confused, but I think the coach was his dad. 
Maybe. That's kind of how it hit me. You said no, but then I said, well, then who the fuck is he? And you didn't know. So yeah. I think the coach, coach or dad. I think or both. I think the coach was also the dad. The dad was also the coach. Yeah. Um, and here's here's the first real substantive thing that hit me about the movie was race science. They did a race science in the movie. Uh, I say that half in jest. Um, so there's a talk that the coach and or dad has with young King James. Uh, and that is, you need to get good at basketball. Otherwise, you're not going to go anywhere in life. And life will be very difficult and unfulfilling for you. So from that moment, and, and there was a lot of trouble because little LeBron wanted to play video games. Yeah. But his dad, who, I mean, it sucks, but he's also not wrong because black bodies in sports is, it's it's nothing new. Yeah. And the, I, part of this thing, and, and you can see it now with, uh, um, the Olympics are going on right now. You'll see this with the way different athletes are presented and have been presented in the past. Yeah. Whereas where, um, say, a Michael Phelps is in here, it talks about his disciplined regimen, his diet, and all this stuff. Whereas if you're talking about Usain Bolt, you'll see articles being presented as his superior physique, how mm-hmm. much more superior his his body is, his physical form. And his body was trained. You mm-hmm. know, like he's trained to do what he does. But this is an old, old thing. Yeah. The idea that black people have lower intellect, yeah. lower brain smarts, but more physical prowess. Yeah. I can remember back in my social studies class, this big, tall Native American guy, racist as fuck. He was my teacher. Yeah. Taught us that um, black people had more muscles than white people. And that's why they're better at sports. Uh, oh, and by the way, he was a football coach. Yeah, of course it was. He was the one of the big football coaches. He probably just saw a black person and was like, you're on the team. So that is a running fucking thing. And that's exactly what was sort of being talked around at the beginning of the movie when the coach dad said, you need to stop playing video games because the more time you spend playing video games, the less time you spend playing sports. Yeah. And sports is your one ticket because of the color of your skin. Yeah. And it's fucked up. Not wrong. It's fucked up and it's not wrong, but it's fucked up that that's the case where so many black people have to rely on like uh i got to do sports so i can get a college degree so yeah. i can get uh uh um, same reason that they join the military usually same thing as military it's a it's a class issue um and 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 um young lebron james falls victim to that and i remember thinking at some point this movie is a fantasy this is a fiction thing why space jam why does it have to be sports why do they have to focus on uh, a person of color 
playing a sport and then going to Toonland. Why isn't it like someone that does like a spelling, who's really good at spelling bee or something like that? Because those tunes aren't spelling. Because those tunes aren't spelling? Yeah. But you said there was another movie you saw, a spelling bee thing, where I was talking about that. It's oh, like, crap, yeah. why don't they show a movie where uh, a, a person can manage to fucking wiggle their way out of abject poverty for life. Aquila and the Bee? Aquila and the Bee, yeah. You said it was about a girl yeah. who's really good at a spelling bee. Yeah. You said, oh, they already made that movie. Yeah. So, But no, this movie chooses to focus on a person having to... Sports is your only option. And I don't... I, to me, it didn't really criticize that a lot. It just sort of said flat out, like, sports is your only way out. Yeah. Although maybe they did critique it at the end with uh, LeBron and I his son. I feel like sort of. Well, anyway, flash forward, uh, LeBron is who he is now. And um, he's got a couple boys and a wife. And um, his his youngest son is really into video games. And LeBron doesn't like his son playing video games so much. He doesn't get it. He doesn't get it, even though he as a kid played video games. Yeah. But his dad made him stop. Um, smushed all the joy out for smushed him. Smushed all the joy out for him so he could allow himself to be exploited because professional sports is slavery. Yeah. It's slavery. Same with prison. Same with prison. Uh, um, get good at this sport so you can be exploited for your labor so you don't have to be poor and fucking struggling for the rest of your life. Yeah. And so LeBron James had to follow that path in this movie, not out of joy, but out of... Necessity and desperation. Desperation to survive, you know, trying to eke out some sort of survival. Well, now he's he's superstar basketball player uh, and his son's playing video games but LeBron tells him not to because he's like look you won't get good at basketball unless you play basketball and the more time you play uh, video games the less time you're playing basketball in the real world yeah the boy was making a basketball video game so it's like NBA 2k but with like boosts and stuff like this you know gamified yeah um and the boy wanted to go to an E3 coding camp, video game coding camp. Um, but that was at the same time that there was some like basketball camp. And LeBron wants his son to go to basketball camp so that he can survive because that's what I had to do to survive. Yeah. Right? Yep. Um, and then at some point they end up in uh, WB offices. And this is where some weird, weird meta... I, I'm not even sure how meta it was or, or just an unaware contradiction. Yeah. But flash forward, next plot point, movie's kind of hard to follow because uh, <laughs> there's nothing going on other than the For fact that hours. it's a fucking advertisement. Yeah. It's an advertisement with a disjointed non-plot. Um, anyway, they go to a meeting with some Warner Brothers executives and there they are trying to sell LeBron James a package, an exclusivity package of like um, 
let us give you so much money and then we will have you for like the next 10 years. You will be in commercials, you'll be in cartoons, you'll be in movies, you'll be in any sort of product we can make. We want to buy the likeness that is LeBron James. We want LeBron James to become our intellectual property. Yeah. Back up. Whose idea was this? Don Cheadle's. It was Don Cheadle's idea. Except not not really Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle was playing a algae rhythm. Algae rhythm. He was playing an artificial intelligence, a a computer algorithm that basically had all WBIP (laughs) say that five times fast in its servers. So the person, the, 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 the real top executive who's directing or, or captain of the ship that is WB was this algorithm, algae rhythm, which is weird. on Weird name. I want to say like Ali G, you know, it's 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 too close to Ali G. (laughs) (laughs) This, Algorithm is the thing that comes up with the ideas of what is WB's next move? Who are we going to buy? What kind of products are we going to put out? How are we going to market this? So on and so forth. The algorithm is the fucking thing. Yeah. And okay, this is where it's kind of blowing my mind now of I don't know if this new Space Jam intended to be a real clear critique of late uh, of our current stage of capitalism or if it just sort of stumbled into it uh, unwittingly. Yeah. I have no idea. But the fact that an algorithm is directing the the moves of a big corporation like WB that's kind of disturbing because that's basically what happens now. Yeah. These companies use computers to calculate um, previous product sales. And we'll try to cobble together a, a mishmash monster of some new product, usually using old IPs to make a new product to market to people. Yeah. To try to maximize profits because that is the only function of capital is to always 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 increase profits never stop making more money and never stop and do it fast that is simply the nature of the beast uh whether the um you know minds who are cobbling together this uh um, mode of production uh intended that I, i doubt they did but it's a sort of a um uh, inescapable uh, product yeah. of the way capital is structured to always chase pro- uh, profits. And you'll hear people, you know, defenders of capital saying like, oh, well, capital, um, you know, generates innovation and, mm-hmm. and rewards innovation and the best and all this stuff. Not really. Not really. What it does is it will take older ideas like every previous WB movie and cartoon and say, these got us a lot of movie when we put out these characters before. 
let's use those characters because clearly that's a tool that works. Yeah. It is a clinical, um, quantifying uh, energy that is trying to create art and entertainment, a thing that is more about feeling instead of necessarily being so clinical. Yeah. Like you can't clinic fucking Pablo Picasso, you know? Yeah. So where was I going with this? They're having this meeting and it's a, it's a table of executives pitching this whole package to LeBron James. And LeBron just says, who came up with this idea? And they say, oh, our algorithm. Mm -hmm. Our computer came up with a bunch of numbers and tried to scientifically create a, a piece of entertainment that would connect with people and therefore get us more profit. Okay? But in the movie, LeBron turns down the offer. And they're like, why? And LeBron says, that's just not my style. I'm not that kind of person who wants to become intellectual property for a corporation. Yeah. I found that rather ironic because this is LeBron James playing a fictionalized LeBron James turning down an offer that non-fictionalized LeBron James accepted at least in terms of the movie. Yeah. And I did read that, you know, the idea for Space Jam sequels been around since the original came out. Yeah. Um, and at some point in the early teens, uh, 20 teens, um, WB approached LeBron and said, can we have you for Space Jam? Because Michael Jordan, the basketball player, former basketball player, wanted nothing to do with it. And that's part of the reason why there wasn't a sequel earlier yeah. in the 90s because Michael Jordan said, I'm not doing this again. Fuck this. So now they've, they can't get Jordan, so they go to LeBron James because he's the new star. He's not as big a star as Michael Jordan. And that's no one, not to say that he's not That's good. not to say that he's not good. Exactly. Um, but LeBron turned it down at first because he's like, I'm too early in this game. Yeah. It wouldn't be right. But now he he gets the offer again in real life yeah. and accepts it to do the movie. Um, and I, yeah, I just found that ironic. Does that say anything to you? The fact, why would they put that in the movie? Why, why would they make that part of the narrative of him turning down an offer, the style that they used to give to people like, like uh, Jim Carrey in the 90s? Full packages with the studio saying, we're going to give you a, a metric fuck ton, a fucking fuck ton of money up front and over the next few years. But you have to do so many movies and, yeah. and different things with our company and no one else. They don't do that so much anymore. Companies don't. But that's what was on offer for Space Jam LeBron. Yeah. Space Jam LeBron turns blah, 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 LeBron. turns it down and uh, and it says, you know, that's not really my thing or whatever. Um, yeah. And then the boy chimed in with an idea. I don't remember what it was to you. No. Was it something about video games? Probably. Probably. Something about video games. Maybe. Either way, um, 
algae rhythm, the algo rhythm, did not like getting turned down. So he gets really fucking pissed. And I guess I... I, I'm still struggling with the plot of Space Jam, A New Legacy, uh, if that is what it's called. But I think what happened was the algorithm played by my man, uh, Don, Don Cheadle. Cheadle. Love Don Cheadle. It's a fun name to say, isn't it? Don mm-hmm. Cheadle. Uh, Algae Rhythm gets really pissed, and I think what happens is that he absorbs, uh, he, he, he turns LeBron James into a digital thing and uh, challenges him. And should LeBron James lose, then LeBron James does not get to leave the computer. And that means that WB now owns LeBron James and can yeah. use it however it wants. Well, LeBron turns it down. Uh, algorithm gets pissed and they're trying to leave or find a bathroom or something. The boy, the son, the computer uh, video game nerd finds the server room and kind of goes in there to look at it or something uh, and then gets digitized and disappears. Algae rhythm digitized a physical, you know, organic fleshy object and then downloaded it into its system, into its Hyperverse, verse, verse, verse. LeBron James goes looking for his son and then himself gets digitized and downloaded into the hyperverse, verse, verse. Uh, oh my. And it's 45 minutes. I think it's been an hour. Yeah. Should we continue this in part two? Yeah, probably. All right. We're really going to get heavy with the analysis in the bonus episode. If you want to catch it, uh, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash that thing with James. Uh, subscriptions start at $5 a month, a month. That's it. Just five bucks and you'll have access to the episode we're about to record and all the previous bonus episodes and random exclusive content I'll upload patreon.com slash that thing with James. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. My handle is at James J. Asher. Uh, if you have any ideas for a topic or story you would like me to cover on the show. Um, bad if, movies accepted as well. Bad movies. Give us some movie to review. I, I'm enjoying the movie reviews. Yeah, We're getting better at We're still learning the movie review thing, but... I'm trying it out. I'm trying it out for a while. Uh, I think it's like an easy way to get feel connected because, you know, everybody watches movies right now because we're all stuck. Yeah, that's a great point. I should keep you around. Uh, email me at thatthingwithjames at gmail.com. Uh, let's see what else. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. Or if you're watching it, subscribe to my channel. Uh, give a thumbs up, like the, like the episode and, uh, leave a nice comment. I love talking to people. Let's have a conversation. Again, the point of the show is just to hang out with you. So what's up? I really hope, I really hope. And if it's only just for this one episode, I really hope you, um, you know, subscribe to the Patreon so you can hear the rest of this analysis because I fucking found something fucking big, dude. 
I've found the thread of how we got from point A to point B, and I got a fire burning in me right now. Oh, I got a fucking fire burning in me. Yeah. And it's coming out in the bonus episode. Thank you for tuning in. I love you. I really hope you stick around to hear this fucking thing because, oh, dude, I fucking found some shit. (laughs) I found some fucking shit. I'm about to bring the whole system down. Okay, I love you. See you, hopefully, in the bonus episode. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye.